Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome For some of you it's welcome back Thanks for joining me again Thanks for joining me for the first time This is Sometimes I Be Right I am your host John Farris Today we got a good one y'all We got a good one today Woo! It's finally happened y'all It's finally happened Got a couple topics that might get me a little fired up, a little charged up today. I try to stay even, try to stay level, but today, whew, I got a couple things to talk about that might get me a little animated. Once again, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what's up, Wally. Whoa, whoa, chill, man, chill. Calm down, Wally. Wally's fired up today, too. Whoa. Yeah, y'all in for a treat today. So listen, I got to start with something near and dear to me. Uh, last Saturday, the Ohio State Buckeyes took on Oregon. Ugh. I said, I, I like Oregon. Like, if there was another college football team I would root for, it's Oregon. I kind of like them. I like the uniforms. I like, you know, they got swag and everything. But just not when they play Ohio State for whatever reason, I just can't stand them. Ugh. But they played last week in the shoe in Columbus, Ohio, and 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 they and they beat my Buckeyes, man. They won fair and square. Fair play to you. But the the fallout from that is is what I really want to talk about. So I, first, I, listen, I'm I'm really I'm really passionate about this. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a Buckeyes fan. Like. True and true. Like, through thick and thin, I'm I'm right there. So, th- so look, look. First off, let me just say, I, it's, the defense, man, it, it's trash. Right? It's trash. Like, what, two years ago, they, they were talking, like, this is DBU. You know? Like, they, they pump out the best DBs. In the league, like this is the premier program. If you're a corner or a safety, Ohio State is where you need to go. That's DBU, right? They were going back and forth with with Clemson about who who's DBU. Now it's Ohio State. We produce the best defensive backs, and they've had a crazy string of corners and safeties being drafted in the NFL, right? But for whatever reason, man, these last two years, this the secondary is. Garbage. Like, what is happening? What is happening? So I'm watching the game against Oregon, and they get Oregon pinned on the one, and Oregon just doop 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 drives down the field, scores a touchdown, and I'm like, yo, what? What? How? How? Third down conversions, left and right. Like, what now? What is going on? This grad transfer from from BC is quarterback for Oregon. He's not like. He's not anything special, right? He's a good player. He's a good player. He did his thing. Shout out to him. But like they're not so they're not so good or so elite that it's like, oh yeah, they're gonna run up and down the field against anybody, so don't feel bad. It's like, no, you guys left plays out on the field. You guys let them get things they shouldn't have got. There was guys wide open that shouldn't have been open. What's wrong with the secondary? And that's the easy thing to say. When you're a fan and you're watching the game and the quarterback drops back and he throws it and the receiver's wide open, you're like, ah, oh, secondary sucks. But but if you pay closer attention, you start to realize the real problem and the real correlation between being DBU 
and being what you are now, which is just a trash defense. It's not the corners, y'all. Because when you look at it, if you look at their recruiting, they're still recruiting top corners. They still have top players in the secondary, right? So it can't be the talent. It's not that they're less talented. They're not less talented. What's the problem? The problem is Ohio State is getting zero pressure on the quarterback. That's it. They're not getting no pressure. Last year it was the same issue. They weren't getting pressure. Ohio State has had just as impressive a run on the secondary. They've had an insane run on elite defensive linemen, right? Defensive tackles, defensive ends, tracing all the way back to 2002. Like, that's like when I could say, like, I really was paying attention to, like, you know, players and things like that, like, on the line, like, who's who and following them into the league and seeing what they do. So if you go all the way back to then, they've had an insane, impressive run, right? But for whatever reason, last year... This year, they haven't been able to get pressure on a quarterback, and that's causing a huge problem. Because a corner can be as good as he wants, but you're not covering anybody for four, five, six seconds. It's just not going to happen, right? So a receiver, if he's has that much time to kind of move, cut back, turn around, do this, do that, find an open pocket, he's going to find it. And a quarterback, if he's given five or six seconds to throw the ball, if he's got no pressure, he's going to find a hole in the defense and a pocket. Right? So sometimes, as fans, we can kind of, like, zero in on the result. Like, oh, the receiver caught the ball. He was wide open. It's the corner's fault. But it's like, no, no, no. The corner needs the defensive line to put the pressure on the quarterback to speed everything up, which makes his job easier. The longer you extend his responsibility, he's got no hope. So now I came out, like, started off the game mad at the corners, cursing them out, talking about these guys are trash, get them off the field. And then it turned into, wait a second, now I feel bad for them. Because they're going to get all the blame because when you watch the highlights, you see the receiver open getting the pass. And the corner has to take the blame for it. But when you realize, yo, but look how long the quarterback was back there, just standing there. No concern at all. Right? Relax as can be. What do you want me to do? And if you think, ah, that's not true. That's not how it works. Okay, watch 707s. Go watch these Elite 11 camps, these 707s. And just watch these quarterbacks stand there and throw the ball, doop, 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 darts everywhere. Ain't no defensive highlights in that. You got corners. You got guys playing linebacker roles, like 707, like guarding each other. Anybody guarding nobody. You can't. You can't, you got that much open space, right? And the quarterback has that much time. That's pitch and catch. There's nothing you can do. It's almost not fair. So now Ryan Day is coming out, you know, being critical of the, of the defense. And I love what he said yesterday where he said, we don't have no time. There's no time to worry about feelings. We need to get it fixed. And I love that because for me, it signals that he's in control that it's his team, that it's his program, that he's running it, right? And that everybody else is like, all right, we're going, we got to fall in line. So I get it. It was a little hard. He was a little harsh. He was a little harsh with his criticisms of the defense, but like he was right. Like the offense put up crazy numbers. And even though, yeah, there was some drives that they, they didn't finish and they really should have. But like, I can't, 
what else am I supposed to do, right? The, the drive stalls, right, whatever, mess, mistake by us. We punt it down to the one-yard line. You guys, you got the offense on the one-yard line. Defense, even if you just make, even if you give up two first downs, we can still get the ball back in really good field position. But you give up a 99-yard drive? Come on, man. Hey, we, get, we cut it down to a one-score game. We need one stop. Can you get us a stop? And you can't get a stop? You let them march right down the field and score again? Come on, man. Just one. Right? Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So that, to me, is like is, is what's going on this year. You know, is that the defense... The defense let that game get away because you can't expect... It's not fair to expect the offense to score every time they get the ball. So it's not, it's not going to happen. Drops happen. Uh, missed throws happen. Um, a, a running back could, could slip on a cut. Like, things happen where you, you might, you're not going to score every time you get the ball. Right? And if you do, that's the greatest offense ever in the history of football. And you're probably not going to be that. Chances of you being that, it's not going to happen. Let's just face facts. Right. So the defense, the defensive line, they need to figure that out. They need to figure out a way to get pressure. If you have to blitz, I understand you're putting your corners on an island, but you got elite talent back there. If you're on an island for two, three seconds, I think they'll hold up 70% of the time. And that's all you need. You're going to get, you're going to get a bunch of stops. Or enough stops to where your offense, which is looking like it's on the way to being elite, is going to be able to put up enough points where if you can, you know, if you can stop them 7 out of 10, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. Maybe that's asking for a lot. I don't know. Now, flipping over to the offensive side, one thing I've noticed is they're very pass happy. Now, I know they have an insanely deep receiving core. Like, the, the the names and the five stars going down the list of receivers is just ridiculous. It's not fair. It's not fair. Best receiving core in the country by far. Match them up against anybody as far as talent goes. To, matches up with anybody. Better than everybody else. They're just stockpiling receivers. They, they got guys that are going to get redshirted that are like would, would be starting in other schools. And but what's going on with Julian Fleming though? Every time he comes in, this guy was a five-star recruit, number one receiver in the country. Comes in last year and kind of just looks like I don't know, man. He just looks nervous all the time, dropping passes. Not really. It's like, come on, man. We know you better than that. I don't know. Something's going on. He might have some some mental thing going on where he's just psyching himself up too much. I don't know. I'd love to see him get some more opportunities, but I've come I've come to just trust that there's a reason. There's a reason he's not there. He's not out there. Like the coach, the coaches know what they're doing. If a guy is not playing, it's because there's it, it, something not right. So I'm, I'm gonna trust, trust him, trust the process. But anyway, that's a little, that's a little side tangent. So on offense, they're real pass happy, right? And you think like, man, how you got this talent or whatever? But I, I would like to see him run the ball. It's the same thing I was saying before about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. You get too pass happy. Yeah, it might be the thing you do best. Passing the ball might be your best quality, right? Or your best attribute. But you still got to run it. So now I don't know if the offensive line just isn't capable of, of run blocking and open up the holes. But they've become incredibly one-dimensional. And that one dimension is really good. But if, again, it's a numbers game. If I know you're going to throw the ball, 
I have no fear of the run. Well, I'm going to base my defense around the pass. I'm going to make it really hard for you. And again, you got to remember, these are just young kids. Like, these 19, 20-year-old kids who get overly emotional, overly excited, overly anxious. If you're playing in front of 100,000 fans screaming and yelling, you're either A, going to want to make the big play, right? So you're going to try to force it. Or B, you're going to get a little tentative play it safe and dink and dunk. And then the defense is going to win that more times than not. And again, if your offense is producing, your defense only has to win more times than not. You get that one or two key stops. There you go. That's how you win the game. And that's what Oregon did. Oregon's defense wasn't special. They weren't unbelievable. But they made one or two key stops. Got the ball back to their offense, and their offense executed. And that was the difference in the game. So in my opinion, spread them out. I'm fine with that. Ohio State's always been good running out of the spread because they have elite running back talent. So when you have elite talent, he can make one guy miss. Spread them out, right? Put a hat on a hat. Let the guy run it. Run it a couple times. What happens to your RPOs? C.J. Stroud, he could run. He could run. He could move. He's not Lamar Jackson fast, but he, he can get the job done. He can definitely get the job done. Pick up five, six, seven yards here or there. He could do that. All right? So I'm spread him out. Run the ball a little bit more. I would like to see him run the ball a little bit more. I think they could definitely have much more success. I think they could keep the defense off balance a little better if they would just run it commit to running it and again it's it's like oh but what if it doesn't work and then you punt the ball well you did that anyway they went for it like six times on fourth down <laughs> i never seen that like that it was fourth down they just kept going for it like we're gonna go for it again fourth down again and go for it and i mean i love it you know what i mean like i love that because go for it be aggressive I'm with that. But if you're going to get in those positions, at least set it up early so that late the defense, they can't key in on just the pass. Because if they do, run the ball on them all day. And they can't key in on the run because then you got pockets opened up for the pass. So don't be don't be as one-dimensional. You're getting a little too pass happy. But, you know, that's just my opinion. You know, it's only two games. So we'll have to see this week coming up. They got Tulsa, and it's 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 show me time. It's show, it's time to get some things right, work on some things, see if they can kind of establish what they're going to be doing going forward. Now, as far as the defense goes, can't really take too much from it. Tulsa's zero and two. They're nowhere near the level of talent that Ohio State is. So even if they come out and have a great defensive performance you have to just think to yourself eh, how how much can we take from it mm, I don't know not so much but you still would like like to see it like to see some positive steps forward maybe again these are young kids maybe you have a really dominant performance you get five six sacks in the game maybe you get a little confidence you get your swag right next thing you know you know, you carry that into the next game and into the next game. 
could be could be the kickoff to something. So while we're on Ohio State, I want to talk about I want to talk about two things. Number one, there's 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 fans now calling and saying it's time to put in Quinn Ewers, right? Now that's a five star quarterback. He's one of the highest rated quarterbacks. He's the highest rated player ever to come into Ohio State. So there's like an insane amount of hype around this guy. He 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 passed up on his senior season to enroll in Ohio State early. So he should be a senior in high school right now. But somehow I, I don't know how he like that eh, forfeited his senior season and decided to enroll in college early. I don't know if he graduated early. I don't know if he's being home. I don't know how it works. And I'm not smart enough to even look it up to try to read it and figure out how this could be possible. It's possible, so he did it. And he signed a million-dollar endorsement deal in the process because that's why he left high school was because he wanted to capitalize on name and image likeness rights or whatever that new rule in college is where you can make money off your name, which bravo to the NCAA for finally giving them that. That's all they were asking for. They were never asking to be paid from the school. Like, we don't care if the school pays us. I should be able to make money on my own. I should be able to sign an autograph for $10 if I want it and not get penalized. And anyone who's anyone is smart enough to know, like, yes, fine, go do that. That's fine. But nobody stopped and asked each other, hey, you say college players should get paid. And immediately some dum-dums. We're thinking from the school. The, the school already pays them in an education. Like, yeah, dumb dumb. I'm not. There's other ways to make money than from the school. If the school wants to say we're not going to pay you, we pay you already through your education. That's that's our payment for your promotion of our school. Fine, but then I should be able to to sell my jersey. I should be able to say, hey, put if you're gonna if I'm number two, and I'm walking around as number two, and you're selling number two jerseys with no name on it. Put my name on there and let me get paid for it. And that's that's what they're doing now. Hello. You know, like Herm Edwards, hello. <laughs> Simple, right? Simple solution. And guess what? College football's not ruined. Things aren't the the the, the fires aren't burning everywhere. Competitive balance isn't messed up. It's everything's gonna be fine. The good players will get paid. And, and, and endorsements and things like that. And the guys who aren't that good wouldn't get paid anyway and don't deserve it. And that's fine. They'll still get their scholarships. They'll still have a chance to go to NFL. They're just not going to get extra money on the side. And that's fine. That's life, as they say. But anyway, let's rewind and get back on topic. So this, there's people saying, ah, it's time for, for viewers to come in. CJ Stroud, get him out of here. It's time for yours. And I'm sitting there like, what? Are you crazy? Are you? You know what? Listen, if you got the if you got the kids in the car, if if you're listening around, if there's any kids listening, earmuffs, please, because I'm about to say something. If you're one of those fans calling out. For, for Quinn Ewers to replace C.J. Stroud at this point, after two games, you are a dumbass. Yeah, I said it. Explicit label on the podcast. I said it. 
You're just a dum-dum. You're just a dum-dum. Like, uh, it, it blows my mind. It, it, I, oh, God. I just don't get it. Two games in. Two games. C.J. Stroud has played two college football games. He's appeared in a game or two last year. Never threw a pass in college. His first game starting in college football was at Minnesota on a Thursday night. Okay? Anyone who watches college football knows two things. Playing on the road can be difficult. If you're a young guy, young kid, making his first start to be on the road, that's difficult. And number two, it's it's hard to play on the road at night. Night games in college football, the home team has an insane advantage. I don't know why. I can speculate on why. But if you're on the road at night, If you're not head and shoulders the better team, you're going to have a tough time. You're going to have a tough time. That's just the way it is. And during the week, a Thursday, I I almost can guarantee if you look up, if you look up the record for Thursday night, for Thursday nights, I guarantee you the home team on Thursday night college football games probably is so far. Above 500, just crazy. I bet you they have like a, a 90% chance of winning. I would bet that. I would bet that. And now when you break, when you bring it into top 25 territory and you say top 25 teams playing on a Thursday night, the home team, what type of advantage they have, I bet you it's insane. So this guy made his first start on a Thursday night in Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's a really good... That's a good football team. That's a team two years ago that went 11-1. and one. That's a team that last year kind of fell apart because they had a lot of injuries. A lot of guys opt out because of COVID. So, it's a wash year. But you're starting week one on the road Thursday night. Come on, man. That's a tough ask. That's a tough ask. And you can see. And the first half of that game was a little tight. You know? This guy is replacing Justin Fields. One of the best quarterbacks they've ever had in the school's history. Coming off of two really good years. Right? So that's who he's replacing. And he has to feel like, oh, but man, that guy. He's he's trying really hard to be perfect, right? Like I you can see it. You can see it. When you're watching him play, you're like, all right, listen, man, you're trying too hard. Like you're already incredibly talented, but you're trying too hard to make the throw perfect, to be perfect. Don't you don't have to be just go out there and play. And you can see there was moments in the game against Oregon where he was just out there playing. You can see he was relaxed, just throwing the ball, not thinking too much, not trying to process, just playing, just playing ball. And you saw him, lasers, darts everywhere, boom, boom. And then you saw there was times where you could see he was thinking too much, trying too hard. Don't try, man. Just go out there and play. Let your talent take over. You've already prepared all week. You know what you're doing. Just go out there and let that thing fly, man. And you can see the moments where he does that, man, it's, it's special. 
Now, I love, I love what I've seen from C.J. Stroud. First of all, he throws it so effortless. Yo, there's a, there's, there's a pass in the Minnesota game where he dropped back and he just flicked his wrist. And when I was watching it, I was like, ah, that's like a 5-10 yard out. And the ball just kept going. Going. He threw it like 65 yards in the air. No joke. Effortlessly. And he does that so often where he's throwing the ball and it just looks like he's not putting a lot of effort to get it out there. The ball jumps off his hand. And this, this kid, I'm telling you, redshirt freshman, I'm telling you, if this kid stays for three years, he's he's going to be something special. He's going to go to the league and he's going to be special. He's going to be a high draft pick. And you guys are calling for him to be replaced after two games? Okay, okay, let me just start with this, okay? In two games, two games, he's got 778 passing yards, right? Seven touchdowns and two picks. And let's face it, two picks in two games, oh, he's throwing an interception every game, sure. Dig deeper. The game against Minnesota, he threw it a little bit behind Chris Olave. He reached out, tipped it, ball went in the air, it was caught, intercepted off of a tip. He didn't throw it right to the guy. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a horrible decision throwing it in a double coverage. Nope, just a little off, got tipped up in the air and intercepted. I can forgive you for that. I can forgive you for that. It sucks, but it happens. Whatever, nah, no big deal. And the game last week against Oregon, that interception was rolling out on a third and 18, just tried to loft it over a defender to get it to his guy, whatever. Just kind of threw it out there late in the game. Game was already pretty much decided. It was like a desperation type thing. Again, I can forgive you for that. He's not throwing a ball in a double coverage, making stupid reads and just throwing it out there to nobody. Right? He was a little off on one. A little, a little behind a receiver. That happens, man. It happens. It's your first start. It's your first start. And against Oregon, it's the best. First of all, it's the best team he's ever played in his life. Do y'all understand that? There's not a high school team in America that's beaten Oregon. Right? We all know how that works, right? High school teams are not beating college teams. College teams are not beating pro teams. Okay, we get it that there's levels. We get that your run-of-the-mill high school team that might have two or three recruits on it is not beating Oregon, which is full of all D1 level recruits. We get that, right? We're all on the same page here. We're not morons. We get that. Okay, so CJ Stroud is playing against the best team he's ever played in his life. And, oh, guess what? It just so happens to be the first time he's playing in the horseshoe with 100,000 fans in the stands. Do we understand that it might be a, a a little bit like a little bit of pressure? You might feel a little bit of responsibility to deliver and what was hyped up is finally fans back in the horseshoe. Finally, we got fans back. 100,000 fans. I've never played in front of this many people. This is the best team I've ever played against. Oh, and uh, by the way, it's my second start. My second start. And you dum-dums are calling for Quinn Ewers, a kid that's supposed to be a high school senior? What has, what has he done to prove to you that he would be better in that spot? What? Tell me. I'm waiting. 
I'm still waiting. Somebody tell me what Quinn Ewers has done in an Ohio State uniform to give you the impression that he would be better in this position than C.J. Stroud, who is averaging almost 400 passing yards a game in his first two starts, and the biggest complaint you can say against him is, ah, they, they didn't score a touchdown on every, on every drive. Oh, boo-hoo. Oh, my God. Did Justin Fields score a touchdown on every drive? Nope. Did Dwayne Haskins before him do it? Nope. Did JT Barrett before? Nope. Name me a quarterback. Matter of fact, here's the thing for you. Did Quinn Ewers score a touchdown on every drive in high school? Oh, nope. But you want him, but he needs to play. All right. It's called spade a spade. How many of us... And I say us because I'm a college football fan. How many college football fans are actually watching high school football games? Oh, I can tell you 4%. And those are just the people who follow recruiting because they have a college recruiting channel on YouTube. So it's their responsibility and, quite frankly, their job to follow high school sports. So they do. They follow all of the top recruits. They watch the games. They study it. They give you the review on them. They give you the breakdown, and they put it out. And you know what we do? When we hear, oh, Ohio State's recruiting five-star recruit, elite recruit Quinn Ewers, what do we do? Go right on YouTube and look up Quinn Ewers' high school highlights, and we watch the highlights, and we see all of his best plays, and we say, this guy's great. He's coming to Ohio State. Oh, my God. Look at his highlights. Look at this guy. He's a five-star. He's the highest recruit, like highest rated player to ever come into Ohio State. Oh, my God. Then, Ohio State loses a game. Oh, bring in the five-star. Bring him in. Bring in Quinn Ewers. He's better. It's time for him to come. Come on, guys. This one dumb dumb wrote, I think the C.J. Stroud experiment is over. It's time for Quinn Ewers. It's Quinn time. You moron. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. Two games? You give this kid two games. And in two games, in two games, he's right there with all of the best starts for every single Ohio State quarterback. Hey, look up Justin Fields' first two games. Right there, probably. You know what? I'm not even going to say probably. Not even going to say probably. Let's look it up. All right, here we go. Whoop. 2019. Okay. Okay. His first start, Justin Fields, first start, Florida Atlantic. A W. 18 of 25, 234 yards and four touchdowns. Great. Perfect. What a, what a great first start. Nothing crazy. Okay, cool. Second game, Cincinnati. 20 to 25, 224 yards, two touchdowns. Hey, you want to know the difference? You want to know the big difference? You want to know the big difference? The W. If Ohio State wins against Oregon, are you really calling for Quinn Ewers? Are you calling to get rid of C.J. Stroud if they win? No, but you dumb dumbs. Okay? You dodo birds. Think that, ah, we lost. Replace the quarterback. Like, don't be an idiot. So I'm not I'm not great at math, but it looks like uh, he's got about 458 yards in his first two games, six touchdowns. 
That's what Justin Fields did in his first two games. First two games playing for Ohio State. Mind you, mind you, he played the year before in the SEC for Georgia. He got playing time. He threw some passes. Right? He threw some passes in college, in big spots, in big moments with crowds cheering against elite competition. C.J. Stroud is making his first two starts and threw, has thrown for more yards than Justin Fields did, has thrown for more touchdowns than Justin Fields did, and we're trying to replace this guy with someone that we don't even know is better? Based on YouTube highlights? Because you didn't watch Quinn Ewers in high school. Why would you? We're grown men. Who's, we're not watching high school kids play football unless it's our children in the game. Or we're coaching. We're not just watching them. So you're looking... You're looking at the highlights and you're looking and you're hearing and listening to the talk and saying, oh, this guy must be better. Well, guess what? He's there. He's playing in practice. He's getting coached up and they don't think he's ready yet. They get paid by the Ohio State University, the team that you love pays them to make these decisions. They're not making that decision, but you think you know better because you're a dumb, dumb, scratching Cheeto dust out of his belly button, sitting on his couch, watching the game, and you think you know better. You saw the YouTube highlights. I'm, you know what? We're getting, too, we're getting too far into the name calling. I apologize. While I know, I know, listen, I know, listen, Wally, I know, I know, I know. I, all right, all right, I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm going too far. I'm going too far. I'm being disrespectful. My, my apologies, my apologies, fellow fans. I think it's, I think it's dumb. I think it's dumb for you to call to replace C.J. Stroud after two games when he is not the reason you lost. Right? Can't put it all on him. Defense has to take a bigger part of the blame because they're giving up so many long drives. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with the topic of Ohio State. I said what I said. Okay? I feel like I've shown my case. C.J. Stroud is having a good start. You're not going to win every single game every year, right? They have a playoff system. If this is the if they go and they run the table for the rest of the year, they'll be in the college football playoff. And if not, hey, guess what, man? You're not going to do it every year. Don't be delusional. There's going to be some years where you have to kind of reload and retool. You know, that's just the way it goes. At least they're not Florida State. <laughs> Trash. Side note. I'm saying this for someone specific. Someone who may be listening right now. Who's a Florida State fan. Florida State is trash. Okay? Listen. Here's what they need to do. Here's what they need to do. I don't even know what they need to do. (laughs) How do you fix it, right? Like, how do you fix it? It's like, oh, well, fire the coach and go hire a better coach. But, like, that's a crapshoot. 
who knows who the better coach is, right? What you probably need to do is you probably need to college football to me is more about recruiting than it is about coaching. Right? Any coach who has elite talent is going to be able to win games. Right? Is Nick Saban a great coach? Everyone's going to immediately say, oh, 100% he is. But based off of what? Based off of winning games. But if you look at Alabama, the amount of players they put into the NFL and how good they are once they get in the NFL, what does that tell you? They're recruiting elite talent. When Nick Saban didn't have the best players in the country, the number one recruiting class every year, he wasn't winning championships every year. Translation, he's a very good coach who's a better recruiter. In basketball, Calipari, right? Kentucky, everyone said, whoo, elite coach. Is he? No, elite recruiter. When he has the number one recruiting class and the best players in the country, they were winning games. Guess what? Recruiting class has dropped down a little bit, doesn't have the best recruits. Now, all of a sudden, it relies, can you coach up lesser talent? Sure, but you're not coaching them up to championship level. You're not coaching them up to final fours. His strength is recruiting. Now, again, let me reiterate, not saying they're not good coaches, not saying they're not even great coaches. Nick Saban is a far better recruiter than he is a coach. That I will, I promise you, I promise you. Guess what? I'll go to one of my own guys, Urban Meyer, far better recruiter than coach. And that's why it's a tougher time in the NFL. And I know it's early. It's only one game. But what I'm going to tell you is his his skill, right? Like his special trait, recruiting the guys in, getting those guys to buy in, to say, I want to go to that school. I like what they're building over there. He's a great recruiter. In the NFL, you can't really recruit guys, right? You draft them. So now you have to evaluate talent. But you only get X amount of players per draft. And when you're in the seventh round and you're picking between these guys, sure, you might be able to pick the best player out of the seventh round, but that guy's probably not good enough to play for your team and start for your team. So he's not really making a contribution. Now you got to go based on free agency, but you're limited because there's a salary cap, so you can't just go get the best players. And in college, you can, and that's what he did. He went and recruited the best players, top five recruiting class every year, right? So if you're Florida State, I think you have to try to, you got to try to find a guy that's a great recruiter, right? And I don't even know how you determine that. Until you see it. So you got to find a guy, I guess, I guess maybe scour the country for position coaches who just are recruiting like crazy and bringing in elite talent at that position. And then go after, I don't know. Like Ohio State, like, like Brian Hartline is, is their receivers coach. And you look at the receivers that are going there and he's recruiting He's out there making visits. That might be a guy to look into. He's obviously able to get these top receivers, top one, two, three receivers every year to commit to Ohio State, even though they got the number one guy from last year there. So now I got to go as the number one receiver 
in the country, I got to go to Ohio State and try to compete against the number one receiver from last year who has a year head start on me. Or I can go over here to this school who doesn't have an elite receiver yet and I can go start there day one. And they're choosing to come to Ohio State. That says a lot about the recruiter. Hey, Florida State, that's what, that's the route you need to go. You need to go find a position coach, right, who's having, who's, who's having success. His, his position group is performing, and he's, elite, he's recruiting elite-level talent at that position. That's where you need to go. That's the route to go. That's your salvation. You don't need a great coach. You need a great recruiter, a guy that's going to bring in the talent, and he could be an average coach, but with elite talent, you're going to have success. That's my recommendation. Look at me. Look at me. I need to be hired as a consultant. Solving problems. Let's move on, man. Let's move on to the NFL. Week one came and went. Really uneventful. Biggest takeaway. Biggest takeaway from week one in the NFL Packers made a mistake. They messed up. And I don't want to come across as a guy who's, who's second-guessing it. I was saying this all summer long. I actually recorded about five or six podcasts where the focal point was this topic. And I was saying it then. I said it to anyone that I ran into. If you're wondering where those podcasts are, I deleted them. I didn't put them out. They, they weren't good. <laughs> I deleted it. I said, nah, this, uh, I'm, I told you, I, I recorded many, many episodes, many, many attempts to get this started, and I always deleted it and backed out on it. But we here now. So I'm going to restate what I was saying all summer long. Listen, the Packers should have traded Aaron Rodgers. Should have traded him. I watched all summer long Aaron Rodgers say, oh, I don't want to go back there. And all these dum-dums, all these dodo birds on ESPN, Fox Sports, uh, ABC, anywhere you would look, anywhere you would look, you got you to get Aaron Rodgers back. You got to do what you got to do. You got whatever it takes. They're idiots. Oh, if they let Aaron Rodgers go, they're stupid. What? I was sitting there like I, I was wishing. I was sitting there praying that I could wake up in the body of the GM, of the Packers, so I could trade in a heartbeat. I would have traded Aaron Rodgers in a heartbeat. Wouldn't even been a question. I would have been calling, begging some. Who wants to make a trade? Hey, guys, who wants them? You guys looking like, oh, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. John, you're dumb. Yo, sometimes I'd be right. I was saying all summer long, trade him. Would you like to know why? Hey, do you guys want to know why? All summer long, he clearly showed a disinterest in not only the Packers, but in football. He said it himself. It was good just to get away and do different things. Hey, you think he was training all summer? Nope. Think he was worried about football? Nah. Hosting Jeopardy. Right? Pursuing other interests. Seeing what else is out there. Talking about contemplating retirement. He was he got away. He got away. And good for him. Good for him. He, he can do that. 
Does he need to practice? He knows how to throw a football. He could throw a football with his eyes closed. Tell the receiver to run a 15-yard out, close your eyes, drop back three steps, throw it to the spot. He, go, he could do that with his eyes closed. He's been doing that his entire life, right? He doesn't need to practice football all summer long to be good, right? And I'm not even saying they should have traded him because he had a bad week one. Hey, listen, he, he was, that's going to happen. Bad games happen, right? So I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is done. I'm not even saying trade the guy because he was done. What I'm saying is they should have traded him. First reason why, he clearly was showing a disinterest in you as a franchise and a disinterest in football all summer long, all offseason. He really wasn't into it, right? Number two, his value all-time high. Coming off of an MVP caliber season, there were so many teams that needed a quarterback, that wanted a quarterback. Trade him in a heartbeat. Trade him. They want him so they will they will overpay to get him. Set your price. You don't think Denver would have overpaid? Set your price. They would have paid it. You want three first rounds? Got it. Aaron all-time high value. Get them. Guess what? If this week one wasn't just a fluke, and he he if it wasn't a fluke and he comes back and he has just a year that's a little bit down. Guess what? Other teams saw, like, eh, he seemed like he wasn't that into it this offseason. So are we really going to trade and give away so much for this guy who might not be into it, who might be on his way out? Not skill-wise, but just interest. He, might not, he just might not be into it. Are we going to trade everything for that? Mortgage the future for that? Probably not. Probably not. And that's the problem. You might have missed your window. Should have traded him. Secondly, everyone's saying, yo, but you can't trade Rodgers. Like, you, what do you have to replace him? It doesn't matter. Hey, story time. <laughs> what happens in the NFL when your team is bad? Oh, the NFL happens to have a system where the worst teams get rewarded the best draft spots so that you can hopefully draft the better players so your team could get better so everyone can stay right around even middle of the road so you can have parity. Why? Because if my team, if I feel like as a fan, my team has a chance every year, I'm going to watch the games. I'm going to go to the games. I'm going to buy the merch and you're going to make money. Guess what happens to the franchises that are dog poo every year? Those fans... They don't really want to go to the games. You have empty stands, which means we can't put that on TV because it looks bad, so you lose some ratings. And the people aren't buying the merch to walk around promoting a team that's dog poo because they get made fun of. So you need the bad teams to get to the middle of the road so everyone has hope, so you give the bad teams the best draft picks. Guess what happens when you're the better teams? You pick later in the draft. And guess what happens to the talent pool in late round one? They're probably not first round grades. Anyone who follows the draft, anyone who pays attention to the draft, anyone who drafts will tell you you probably have 12 to 15 first round grades. After that, you probably got high second-round talent that you have to take in the first round, which means your expectations as a fan are sky-high for this player, but he's really not that good. He's really a second-round talent, which means he probably shouldn't go in the first round, but you have to pick somebody so you're not getting the best talent. So he's probably going to be a middle-of-the-road player, which means your team is not going to get dramatically better from one year to the next. 
Hey, you want to know what happens when you have Aaron Rodgers? Hey, guess what? How many championships have you won with Aaron Rodgers? One. 15 years, one Super Bowl. Which means what? Every other year you've been picking in the late 20s because Aaron Rodgers is really good. And he's going to make sure your team gets to the playoffs. And he's going to make sure your team maybe even wins a game. Which means you're picking in the mid to late 20s every year. You're getting second round talent in the first round. Which means your team is not dramatically improving. So you're not getting pushed over the edge. And guess what else? You're Green Bay. You're not attracting the top free agents ever. Even with Aaron Rodgers, he's not good enough to get the top players to say, I want to go play there. So what do you end up with? A really good, high-paid quarterback that's getting you into the playoffs but not winning you a championship but is also preventing your team from picking high enough in the draft to get that elite talent that will push you over the edge to Super Bowls. And you're also not attracting free agents. So you end up in the same spot every year. 11-5, 12-4, picking in the 25th spot every single year. So if you have a pressing need like we need an offensive lineman, you're not getting the top offensive lineman in the draft. You might not even be getting the second rated offensive lineman. Or the third. They're going to be gone by the time you pick. So you're picking up a linebacker. It's the best available player. Guess what? I don't need linebackers. I need an offensive tackle. (laughs) So that's what you're getting with Aaron Rodgers. So the minute he shows, I don't really want to be there. I don't think I want to be there. What? Are you kidding me? It's like Christmas. Thank God. Oh, my God. Thank you. Make phone calls immediately. Hey, you want this guy? You know how good he is. For you, he might change your franchise. You're just a quarterback away. Imagine Washington with Aaron Rodgers. They probably would overpay at this point. They would overpay because they got their defense set. They got their offense set. They just need the quarterback to make a huge difference. You can draft a second and third round receiver and he can come in and be great. Right? Can't draft a second and third round quarterback and expect him to come in and be great. So guess what? Let's trade for Aaron Rodgers. It's worth it for us. Even if we only get one championship in the next five years, it was worth it. We could start all over then, but we we went for it, right? The fan base is going to give us a break. We went for it. Denver. Denver would really take them. They'd overpay. So if you're Green Bay, these dum-dums on TV say you can't get rid of Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love's not ready. He's not ready. He's no good. You're going to get rid of Aaron Rodgers for him? Yeah. Worst case scenario... Worst case, the absolute worst case, Jordan Love stinks. And we go 0-16. Oh, whoops, sorry. 0-17 now. Guess what? I'm picking number one. Number one. So if Jordan Love really stinks, I'm picking number one. I get to pick any quarterback coming out I want to. Whoa, guess what? Replace him with someone better. And if not, guess what? I got the first pick. In every round of the draft. You know what that means? That second round pick, that first pick on day two of the draft is very valuable. A lot of teams might give you a lower second and an extra third. You can rebuild your team. Oh, but I think you guys forgot. 
not only do I have the number one pick in the draft because my team stinks, I also got whoever I traded him to, I got their first round pick too. So I have two first round picks. Are you kidding me? If you're Green Bay, you could have rebuilt your franchise, set yourself up by trading this guy who's at the end of his career, who's starting the last leg, if, if nothing else, who clearly has shown a little bit of lacking interest in football in the offseason, who is starting to, to explore his life after football, and you went out and said, we have to keep, for what? And this is what you get. This is what you get. Now, if he has a really down year, good luck trying to trade him for that top value. You're not going to get it. You might get a first, maybe a second or third, but you're not going to get the years of draft picks you could have got. Not to mention, you probably could have said, yo, Denver, uh, give me two firsts, two seconds, and Drew Locke. And they would have been like, yeah, here, here, take him. And you would have got a young quarterback who, man, bring him in and see what he can do. Maybe he's good. Maybe he'll be good. Maybe he just needs a little time, a little more mature, you know, maturity. Or maybe he stinks and you could just blah, toss him out. He's on a rookie contract anyway. But you get the two firsts and the two seconds. You're not going to get that if Aaron Rodgers has a bad year. No, 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 no. So you missed out. You missed out. Not to mention someone like the Bears who may have traded for Aaron Rodgers. And I know, I know, your rival you're going to send him to your, we're going to face him two times a year. <sighs> I get it. But now they got Justin Fields, so they're not going to trade for for your guy. They got Justin Fields on a rookie contract for the next five years. Psh, I ain't trading for Aaron Rodgers. You crazy? Good luck. Denver. Denver might stink. And then they get a top five pick. They might say, listen, let's take our chances. With the rookie rather than trading for Aaron Rodgers, who's clearly on the backside. This is, of course, this is assuming he has a really bad year. If he has another MVP season, then maybe we're having this conversation again and come the offseason. But I don't think it's going to happen, y'all. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a down year. And, of course, down year by his standards. I hate when they say that. No, down year by anybody's standards. Right? Like, ugh, that's a whole different thing. We'll get into that, but today today might not be the day for that. But yeah, so like, you should have traded him. Should have traded him. But, you passed up on it because, I don't know, you listen to all the so-called experts who said you can't trade Aaron Rodgers. You don't have anything better. I don't need to be better this year. I'm going to be better for the next 10, 15 years. And don't say, oh, oh, who gives up a year? No one throws a year away nowadays. Yes, they do all the time. All the time. You really think the Eagles care? You th- all right. All right. You think the Eagles care when they trade away, right? I'm, I'm drawing a blank, bro. Carson Wentz. <laughs> when they trade away Carson Wentz to give Jalen Hurts a shot to be the guy, do you think they care? You think this year is Super Bowl the bust for them? Or do you think they said, listen, we got this guy. We think he's pretty good, but we're not, we're not sure. He has moments where it's like, this is our guy, and there's moments where it's not. Well, who's coming out? 
look at who's coming out in the draft and see what quarterbacks are coming out. Does anybody there that we think that we would like to have? And you say, yeah, there's a couple guys. All right, let's go all in on Hurts this year. Let's go all in on him. Give him the keys. See what he can do. If he fails miserably, then we move on. If he's successful, we stick with him and we move on. And then going forward, we got our guy. That's what happens all the time in the NFL. Don't act like it doesn't. Come on, we're not stupid. We're fans, but we're not idiots. We can tell. We can tell. You know what I mean? You can tell. It's not that you're like giving up on a year, but you're saying if he's the guy, then it's going to turn out great. If Jordan Love, if they put give him the keys and he turns out to be just like Aaron Rodgers was, where, come on, after Brett Favre was leaving, people were like, is Aaron Rodgers really the guy? Do they need to draft someone? Are you really going to let Brett Favre just walk out? And they say, yeah, we will. Because we have Aaron Rodgers, and we think either he's going to fly and take off, or he's going to be a dud, and then we'll draft another one. And that's what they did, and he took off. So now imagine if Jordan Love takes off. Mag- All right, imagine a scenario. You're the Packers. You drafted Jordan Love for a reason because you thought he was a really good player who, with a little bit of time and a little bit of grooming, could be a really good quarterback for you. You trade Aaron Rodgers, you get all these draft picks back, you get this incredible value for him, which everyone would say, you, it's worth it. Like, you're not... No one's going to look at you like an idiot for asking for two first-round picks and two second-round picks, even three first-round picks. The next three years. Give me your first for the next three years. It wouldn't be too much to ask for Aaron Rodgers, right? Okay, so imagine if you get that back, you get that package back, and you say, Jordan Love, here's the keys to the franchise, and he goes out there and he plays great. Right? And he ends up being, whoa, this guy is exactly what we thought he could be. He's really good. Guess what? You use all of those first-round picks to build up the talent around him, and now you're off and running. Come on, guys. Am I the only one that sees it this way? Am I crazy? I'll answer that for you. No, I'm not. I'm just the only person that's not married to, oh, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the game. He's the most talented quarterback in the game. You can't trade him. Yes, you can. If you're thinking long-term, these owners and these GMs and these guys, they have to think bigger picture. They can't just think about this year. Oh, but we might win this year. But if you don't, then you're screwed for the next 10. You have to be able to think about this year and the next year and beyond. That's why you can't go and sign your running back to a nine-year contract because he had a good season. It's the same reason why when DeMarco Murray ran for 1,800 yards for the Cowboys, they didn't go out the next year and sign him to a five-year extension. They said, listen, going forward, this probably isn't going to happen again. If you could find a better deal somewhere else, go get it. And they offered him good money. Don't get me wrong. They offered him a good contract. But they weren't going to max out on him because they knew going forward, that's a bad idea. So, yeah, right now, this would be great. So front load the contract. But he wanted something different. Hey, man, we got to let you go. Got to let you walk. Go ahead and take that deal somewhere else. Then we can't do it. That was a smart move. And that's what the Packers should have been doing this offseason is saying, what's the smart move? Because if Jordan Love is as good as they think he is or is to become the player they hope he is, you're right back in the same spot you have with Aaron Rodgers, which is, hey, 
we're really good, but we're not good enough to get over the hump, but we're not bad enough to be able to draft the elite talent. We're right in the middle of the road, and that's a bad place to be. It's a bad place to be, man. As a fan, like, I don't want that. But whatever, I digress, man. There's one last thing I want to touch on. And this is something that is, has really been bothering me for, for a long time, man. For a long time. It's really been eating at me. And it's been something that's annoyed me. And it started to come up. I'm going to say a bad word again. It started to come up around Tim Tebow. Whoa! Whoa! I know, I know, I know. Tim Tebow, that name is Poison. People hate it. I'm annoyed by it too. Not for the same reason you guys are, I'm sure. But it's, it's something they did to Tebow. That they continue to do to other players. And it annoys me when it happens because I see it happen. And I see everybody just kind of like falling in line with it. Look, 24-hour media coverage or sports coverage has has sped everything up, right? So because we have to have sports coverage 24 hours a day, that's a lot of time you have to fill. So what happens is, is you speed up everything, right? So whereas you would have a quarterback and you would say, man, he's okay. He's improving. He's getting better. Because you only had to talk about him once a week. Now you have to talk about him all day, every day. So you have 24 hours in a day. Let's say you take a six-hour block and you just put SportsCenter on repeat for six hours overnight. Who cares? Fine. That still leaves you with 18 hours. Right? Did I do? Yeah, 18 hours. I did the math right. Sup? <laughs> yeah, y'all used to make fun of me because I can't do math. I killed that math. Right. Anyway, so so you have you have 18 hours in a day you have to fill with programming. Right. So now you have multiple different shows who have to have topics to talk about. So you usually end up five topics for the day. All of our shows cover those same five topics. There you go. There's there's our programming. But because of that, because every day you have that. Now everything is, is he the best of all time? Is he great? Is this the greatest game we've ever seen? Now you make up stupid stats. Like last night I saw Daniel Jones was the first Giants quarterback in history to have 2,500 plus passing yards and 400 plus rushing yards in the same season. What? 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 Uh, what? That's a stat. That's a stat. Okay. Maybe that is this. Maybe that's no one has an issue with that. That doesn't seem stupid. You know what's stupid? When someone like, let's say, let's make up a name because we don't want to throw the big names out there. It seems like we're just trying to do clickbait. Let's say, I don't know, uh, Derek Rose, right? Let's say he scores 15 points. Let's No, you know what? Let's say he scores 30 points in four straight games. ESPN will pull up a stat. Oh, these are the, he's the first player since so-and-so to average 30 points a game, right? And then the next game, he has 26 points. You know what they'll do? They'll say, oh, he's the first player since so-and-so to average at least 26 points in the game. That's like the stupid stat where they talk about how many games LeBron has scored in double digits. Huh? Okay. He, <laughs> that's so dumb. It's so dumb. Even LeBron fans have to agree it's a dumb stat to say he's had at least 10 points in 2,000 straight games. Like, what? That, do we track that? Do we track how many double-digit games you've had in a row? Since when have we ever cared? It's You have to... They have to make up things to talk about. 
They have to make up new categories and new stats. So he's the first player to average at least 20 points, at least five rebounds, and at least four assists in a game. Like, that's very specific. That's a very specific thing. Oh, he, LeBron has averaged 25, 10, and 10 in the last eight games. No one's ever done that in history. Then he'll have 25, 10, and 9. Oh, he's the first player to ever average 25, 10, and 9. And it, Like, come on, man. You guys just make up stats. And I get it. You have to fill a lot of time, a lot of shows. You know what else has kind of sped up the process or sped up judgment? Debate shows. Because of these debate shows and these debate-style shows where you have two people and a moderator and they have to talk about a topic... You don't really want them to agree because that's not interesting. Now you're just having two different people say the same thing, and that's ugh, nobody wants to watch that. So we need them to disagree, right? So we, in order to get people to disagree, you have to make outrageous statements. Like, is Tim Tebow the best dual sport athlete? And it's like, what? anybody who knows anything would never say that. But they just throw the topic up there so people can debate it. And because we as society and as humans love conflict and debate, we'll watch it. And then we yell at the TV and neither one of these guys believe in what they're saying, but they have to choose a side because you can't have a debate without somebody choosing a side. Right. So because of that, because of of this 24 hour sports coverage, because of the debate shows, what they do is they have to create topics. And so what they do that bothers me. We as casual fans don't have and don't make concrete opinions about something. We don't. For example, and the reason why I said they did it with Tim Tebow is because coming out of college, if you had said going into the draft, do you think Tim Tebow would be a good pro quarterback? Most people didn't have a, oh, Tim Tebow sucks. He's going to be terrible in the, in, the, in the NFL. Or, oh, he's going to be great in the NFL. We all probably had an opinion like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it'll translate. He seems more like a college quarterback. Uh, I just don't think that that style is going to translate. But we weren't like love or hate Tim Tebow. I mean, I guess if you were a fan of like Florida State or like someone else in the SEC, you might have hated Tim Tebow just for like college rivalry purposes. But if your team drafted him, you wouldn't have been like livid. So what happened? Well, because ESPN has to create topics... They pick a guy out almost every year. You can look at it in a draft. They pick at least one guy out that they have to be overly, they have to question, is he this or that? And Tim Tebow was the guy that they said, is he going to be a good pro quarterback? So because you guys highlighted him throughout the entire coverage, it started making us fans who were just watching ESPN or these other networks, I don't want to just single them out, any one of these sports networks, because you kept asking the question, it forced us to keep asking the question. Well, well how do I really feel? How do I feel about it? And then you started saying, oh, this is, a, this is a good case that you made. So when he got drafted in the first round, we might have been like, whoa, that's a that's a weird pick. Man, I, I don't know. Woof, Denver, they're taking the chance. But ESPN came on the next day, and because they had to fill time, guys had to have big opinions on it. Worst pick terrible pick and it caused people who said well i don't i don't know let's give them a chance to take the side of yo you guys are being too harsh and it forced other people who thought it was a bad pick to now jump on the side of yeah worst pick ever and what did we do we got way more critical so what happened when tim tebow finally got to play and they started winning games it caused the people because you because you the sports media 
highlighted it and put such a big microscope on it and caught and forced and asked us to put a microscope on it and made it the first topic on every show you had it caused the people who said nah give him a chance to say well look he, they're winning games he's doing pretty good and they're like oh, they're winning games but it's not because of him well guess what guess what another thing you sports media guys did was you gave the quarterback credit for everything and you guys will say the ultimate team sport is football because you need so many guys to come together to complete a common goal. That's what y'all said. You told us, the casual fan, you told us football is the ultimate team sport. Then why do we blame or give credit to the... Why does Tom Brady have seven Super Bowls? Why does he get credit for all of those Super Bowls? But no one talks about the other guy that has all those rings. There's someone on his team that has multiple rings. We don't talk about them. When someone wins or loses, we say, oh, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes is is 4-0 against this other quarterback. Like, no, he's not. The Chiefs are 4-0 against that team. But he gets the credit for it. So it bit you in the ass because when Tim Tebow was winning games, you guys all of a sudden wanted to say, well, they're not winning because of Tim Tebow. But you never said that for nobody else. Tom Brady got credit. The Patriots were winning. So Tom Brady's winning. Tom Brady's winning. He's just an ultimate winner. And so when it happened that this guy who clearly, (laughs) clearly was not performing at a high level was winning games, it annoyed you when people kept saying, yeah, but he's a winner. Then it annoyed you. Because then you saw how stupid and idiotic it was to think that a quarterback is the reason for the wins or losses. It's way deeper than just the quarterback. Yes, the quarterback is the most important position. But if that quarterback has a group of boo-boo receivers, he's not going to win much. If the offensive line is garbage, he's not going to win much. If the defense is a bunch of dodo birds, they're not going to win much. And the quarterback can be as great as he wants to be because guess what? Patrick Mahomes is just as good after the Super Bowl as he was before. But in that Super Bowl, did they win? Did he look great? Why? And what is the first thing everybody said? That offensive line was terrible. He was on the run the whole time. Well, you know another guy who had a terrible offensive line? who didn't have a run game, and who had a bad defense. You know another, I know another guy who had all of those circumstances, and, and you guys never gave him a pass. Tony Romo. He was going 8-8 eight and eight every year, and you guys said, oh, no, he's not that good. He, he can't get the job done. Never mind that. You know what? I'm not even going to get into it. You're going to notice a pattern. I think Tony Romo is a Hall of Famer. And I think Tony Romo did so much with so little. I think the Cowboys going 8-8 eight and eight was a miracle. He held that thing. It was a miracle that they were able to win eight games. Those teams were bad. And that man elevated. Okay? That, you know what? I'm not going to get into it. I'm not, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. Another day? Let's get back to this, this thing. So you got bit in the behind. By your own cliche, your own stupid sports cliches, came back to haunt you. And now you're all, they were having a hissy fit. They were going crazy. They couldn't figure it out. They couldn't understand it. You guys built this up. You guys created this. Right? You guys created the question. You guys beat them into the ground. 
And then when he started doing well, you guys highlighted the fact that they were winning games. It was you. We don't have no power. We're just watching TV. We fans. We just sitting at home watching TV. Y'all come on every day. You chose the topics. You chose the highlights to play. You chose the discussion points. We didn't. We're watching you. We're watching the program. You guys created this. And then what do they always say? Yeah, but when we talk about it, the ratings spike. Because it's all you talk about. We're watching TV. Whoa, you hear that? <laughs> that was my stomach. Y'all, I'm getting hungry. That's my body letting me. That's, that's my body letting me know, hey, man, this show is almost over. So I apologize if y'all having a, a great time listening to this, which I hope you are. It's almost over. I'm almost done. Trust me, I'm almost done. We try not to go too long. We try not to hold you guys up. We try to get in and out. Right, Wally? We try to go in and out. Try to give you a little quick hit up. But whatever. So anyway, so, so what I'm starting to notice that it's happening, and I want y'all to pay attention. I want you to pay attention to this because it's, it's starting to happen. It happened to Cam Newton, right? They built up Cam Newton as this. He's amazing. He won the MVP, and they said he's only getting better. He's going to continue to get better. This guy, he's, the, he's changing football. He's changing the quarterback position. And then when he started to struggle because he came right back to where he really was, because a lot of guys can have a really good year. You know, the stars can align for you. Things can just work. You're just having a really good year. And then you come back down to earth to what you've always been, which is exactly what Cam Newton did. He came right back to the level he always was. He had an MVP season, a really great season. Things just worked for that team that year. Right? And then he came back to where his normal level was, which was right in the middle of the road. Just a solid quarterback option. Not great, not terrible. Could win some games with him, could also lose some games with him, but he's right there. He's going to keep you somewhat competitive, right? He's going to keep you competitive in the game. He's not going to be awful. You're not going to feel like we need to get rid of this guy. He's going to be right in the middle. That's what he is. That's what he was before the MVP season. That's what he was after. But what happened was during the MVP season, you guys, sports media, built him up as, oh, my God, he's ascending. He has hit his stride. He is going to take off from here. And when he came right back to what he was and he just became what he always was, you guys tore him down. So you build him up. And then when he doesn't live up to your made-up expectations, you trash him. And let's face it, most sport fans are are just regular old people, and we just follow along with the narrative of the TV, and, oh, sports says this, they know more than I do, they study, they're professionals, they played the game, they know it. So when they say Cam Newton, he's lost it, we all say, Cam, what happened to Cam? He lost it. No, he didn't. He's unbelievably consistent. He just had one great year that you all assumed that was his takeoff year. He's, it's all up from here. And it's like, no, he had a really good year. He had a blip. Boop. Right? That's the blip sound. Boop. That's a blip. Blip in your career. You're going, you're going, boop, and you come back. Guess who else had a blip? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had an MVP season. And then ESPN highlighted, is he, a top, is he an elite quarterback? Well, once you bring that question and you start discussing that on your platform for days and weeks and months and for an entire football season, the next year you come into it with everybody thinking, yeah, you you guys said Matt Ryan's elite. So when he doesn't play to an elite level, you guys bury him as if he did something wrong, as if he's no longer good. He's the same he's always been. He just had a blip. Boop. He's been, again, another guy who's been incredibly consistent. 
Incredibly consistent. But you guys keep building it up to tear him down. And you know who's the newest guy on the chopping block? Lamar Jackson. Guess what? Coming out of college, coming out of Louisville, I guarantee you 95% of football fans, of NFL fans, did not know whether Lamar Jackson was considered a good quarterback prospect or not. We didn't know. Most people didn't watch Louisville in college. We don't know. So what do they do? They come out and say, Lamar Jackson should switch to receiver because he's not a good enough quarterback. One guy, one former GM said it. And what did ESPN do? What did Fox Radio do? Fox Sports do? My bad. I don't mean to mischaracterize y'all. What did they all do? They ran with it. They ran with it. They started highlighting the fact of, oh, is this racism? Is this, is this? No, it was one guy's opinion that, you know what? Maybe he'd be better off at a different position. Maybe... Look at these birds chirping, man. Try to mess up my show. Oh, you know, maybe they agree with me. Y'all right? Anyway, my bad. I got distracted. So they, once again, introduced this discussion, which causes regular fans and average fans. And when I say average, I don't mean average intelligence. I mean just the run of the mill. Like We're not studying this. We're not studying the game. We're not studying the draft. We're watching. We're listening to the professionals. We're listening to the pros. Fill us in and give us their opinion on what's what. We listen to the scouts, right? So when they're all talking about is he, isn't he, isn't he, is, like, we don't know. We're going, we're taking the information you're feeding us and we're making an opinion and now we're going to watch. And now most people have to choose a side because in the 24-hour sports media, we all want to be first, right? We're going to run a story. We're going to run with an idea. We're going to be first. We have to be the first to say Lamar Jackson is a really good quarterback. And then we have to be the first to say, nope, he's going to be a bust. So when he gets drafted by Baltimore, he goes in there, he starts playing. Guess what? He starts having success. What does the sports media do? They build him up. Oh, look at all these people. They were wrong. They were wrong. He's really good. They were wrong. After his first year, what do they say? He's only going to get better. Oh, they love saying. They love saying that. Oh, sports media loves telling you from year to year, guys are just going to keep getting better. Me, what do I think? Maybe that's just what he is. Maybe from one year to the next, that's just what he is. Maybe what you saw is what he is. Maybe that is his best. Now, is he going to get better in terms of he's going to know more, he's going to be smarter? Sure. But are his numbers going to reflect it? Maybe not. Maybe him getting better is just interceptions going down. Maybe he's just going to throw less interceptions, but it doesn't mean he's going to throw more yards and more touchdowns and all this other stuff because he's a year in. But he comes out, he has an MVP season. And what do they all say? Lamar Jackson, the future, that he's changing the position. He is the new NFL. Oh, they love to put somebody as a new NFL. They love to say somebody's changing the game forever. They love it. And what do I think? He's, he's all right. But what happens? When you build them up to this level and then they lose in the playoffs, what's the next thing they say? What is the first thing they say? Is Lamar Jackson good enough to get the job done? Is he good enough to win a championship? Is he elite? What? You guys say Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL and he's got one Super Bowl in 15 years. Why does Lamar Jackson have to win a championship in his first three years to be considered elite? Why does Patrick Mahomes get to play on the Kansas City Chiefs, which everyone would agree they're loaded with talent, win a Super Bowl, and we think he's all of a sudden an elite level quarterback, but someone like Lamar Jackson isn't because he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. So the only way to be an elite quarterback is to win a championship? Or 
can you be really good and still never win a championship? Something to think about, man. Guess what? You want something else to pay attention to? Pay attention. Pay attention to. Uh, I almost called him Jamarcus Russell. Oh my god. <laughs> pay, att- <laughs> pay attention to, to Jameis Winston. They buried him. They talked about how terrible he was. And now he's going to put up big numbers like, again, he always did. He always put up big numbers. His problem was turnovers. So he's going to cut down turnovers in New Orleans this year. He's going to have less turnovers. And they're going to talk about him being really good. Look how much better he is. Oh, but he's not better. He's the same he's always been. It's just that you guys buried him. You, the sports media, buried him. Right? Forgot about him because he sat the bench for a year. And now he comes out, he has one good game, and you guys want to sing his praises. And if he continues to have a good season, watch how they talk about it. They're going to talk about him being a great quarterback, and he's this and he's that. And oh, my God, what a career turnaround. And when you look at his numbers, incredibly consistent. Most guys are incredibly consistent. But because we have 24 hours in a day and we have full 24-hour media coverage and full 24-hour sports coverage, we got to fill the time. And so how do they do it? Over-exaggerating everything. The sky is falling. Or this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I guarantee you, just pay attention. Just start paying attention to how often they talk about something being great or something being the greatest. Is this the best or is this the worst? Or is it time to move on? Watch how, how, watch how dramatic they are in everything they do. It annoys me. And that's why I started this. Because I want to be the answer to all that, the anti that. I'm not going to come in here and tell you this is the greatest thing ever or this is the worst thing ever. I'm going to come in and be real even because, let's face it, it's week one. You guys have seven days, 24 hours a day to cover until you get to week two. So you have to have, oh, he's off to a really good start. He did really good. Like, you're over-exaggerating everything from week one. It's week one. We don't know much. Josh Allen, oh, oh, oh. There was a lot of hype around Josh Allen. Is he going to live up to the hype? It's one game. It's a bad game. Jameis Winston really turned things around. It's one game. He could turn out to have 35 interceptions this year. And that first game means absolutely nothing. It's one game. And that's what they do. And that's what I'm here to do the opposite. I'm going to come in, keep it real with y'all. Like, they're already talking about how the Raiders and Ravens week one game, game of the year. What? Best game of the... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's week one. You're going to say that in week five. You're going to say that in week ten. You're going to say that every week there's going to be a game you can say is game of the year. Why do you have to say it after week one? Finish the season and then review and say what was the best game. And then you it might be that game. But after week one, you don't have to talk about it. Unless you have 24 hours to cover. I don't. I come in once a week. So I'm going to give it to you real. Thank y'all, man. Thanks for listening this week. We went a little longer. A little longer than normal this week. We like to stay around an hour. We went a little over. But hey, man. I had a lot to say. I had a lot to talk about. 
I hope y'all enjoyed yourselves. I hope you had a good time. Again, I thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining me in this. Again, we still just getting started, man. We still getting started. Before I go, let me tell y'all, let me say, uh, prediction this week, Cowboys, all right, they're going to lose. <laughs> they got some injuries. Uh, I, I'm being real, keeping it real. That's my team. That's my squad. But I think they're going to lose. Ohio State, I think they're going to win big. I think they're going to win real, real, real big. I'll see y'all guys next week, man. Thank you for listening. Once again, this has been Sometimes I'll Be Right. I am John Farris. I'll see y'all guys next week.